started. Welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, our guests of the podcast, are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Life Moves Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any financial or investment decisions. Clients of Life Moves Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. I'm your host, Dale Schaefer, and here's another great episode starting now. Let's go. And this is episode 19 of the Financial Purpose Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Our topic today is 401ks. And there's a couple things I want to do. First is I want to just briefly touch on the options that are available to you if you are leaving your current employer and wondering what to do with your 401k plan. And then I want to talk about what a lot of people do with their 401k plans when they are in transition between employers and uh, and some of the the complications with the option that's most often chosen. So let's start first with the 401k. When you leave your employer, you typically have four options for most employees. The reason that I'm saying most employees is because if you have less than $1,000 balance in your 401k, your employer can simply just cash you out, and that's the only option that you have available. And so what they'll do is send you a check. It'll be uh, less the taxes and less the 10% early withdrawal penalty if you're under the age of 59 and a half, and that's all you get. You just get the check, no other options. But if that's not you, for most people, most account balances you're going to have four options. And so it works kind of like this. So the first option, when you have a 401k and you are leaving your employer, is you can leave that account right where it is. You can keep it in the employer's plan, stays invested exactly how it is invested, no problem. The What you need to know, though, is that you can no longer contribute to it because you are no longer a participant in that plan once you are severed from your employment, and your employer can no longer make contributions on your behalf. Also, you are 100% responsible for managing that investment account and keeping track of statements and performance and cost and all of that, that's all your responsibility, but you can leave it right where it is. Option number two is if your new employer has a 401k plan, you can simply roll that over from the old plan to the new plan. The challenge with that currently is that from the old plan, they're going to send a check to the new plan. So they're not directly portable Uh, which would mean that they would just simply roll over exactly as is from one plan to the other. That doesn't quite work. So um, you will get a check. The downside to that is if you're in a market like we've been in for the past uh, 15, 18 months where your investments uh, potentially are sitting on a paper loss, then that means that you automatically cash out, sell the investments when they're low, take the loss, and move on. But otherwise, you can do that. You can move it from old employer to new employer. It's not a taxable event, and no taxes are withheld. There's no penalty to do so. Option number three is you can roll that 401k plan into a traditional IRA, or if it's 
if any part of it is a Roth 401k, you can roll that to a Roth IRA. Keep in mind that if you want to take your pre-tax 401k and move that to a Roth IRA, that would be a taxable uh, event. There would not be a penalty because of the rollover, but you would pay taxes on it. So it's definitely something to consider and talk with your CPA and financial advisor before you would do that kind of Roth conversion on your 401k. And then finally, the fourth option is you can take a lump sum distribution. You can pull out any of the amount of the 401k in cash that you want. If you're under the age of 59 and a half, you're going to pay a 10% penalty. And then any amount that you pull out is going to be subject to ordinary tax, just like the rest of your income. Uh, So again, briefly, the four options are number one, you can leave it where it is. This is the 401k when you're changing employers. Number one, leave it where it is. Number two, roll it to your new employer's 401k plan. Number three, roll it to a traditional or Roth IRA. And number four, you can take a lump sum distribution. Now, a couple things that you also want to know about this is that if you have an outstanding 401k loan, that loan does have to be paid back. In most cases, it just gets subtracted from the balance that is vested in your 401k, and then you get to roll over the difference. And so they'll just pay off that loan as part of your distribution, either with a rollover or with cash. The other thing is that I said the word vested balance, and so you're going to want to know what your vested balance is. Now, you are entitled and have full ownership of 100% of the money that you put into the 401k plan, but you may not have all of the access to the money that your employer has put into the plan, and that depends on their vesting schedule. So some employers vest automatically, some vest on a short cliff, some vest over a period of time called a graduated vesting schedule. And so that might work out where In year one, you have 20% of the employer's contributions vested to you, and then in year two, 40%, in year three, 60%, in year four, 80%, and then finally in year five, 100% of the employer contributions are also yours as well. Uh, And that becomes very important because if you leave the company in the middle of that vesting schedule, then you won't be able to take 100% of the value of the 401k. You can only take your contributions plus whatever is vested. So You'll want to know that. The other thing that becomes important in this decision is that you want to compare the cost of the plans between your old uh, employer's plan, your new employer's 401k plan, the IRA options, uh, which typically is going to be with the help of a financial advisor. You're going to want to know what all those costs are because each of the 401k plans and sometimes the IRAs will have internal expenses like uh, administrative expenses or if you're working with an advisor there's going to be some sort of advisory fee attached to that Uh, all of the investments that are in the account have their own individual expenses and so you're going to want to know what this is financial advisors by and large are required to follow uh, disclosure rules on this the department of labor oversees 401k transfers along with ERISA and the way it works, like at my firm as an example, I actually need to do a side-by-side disclosure to show you what you have available to you now, what it costs, what you get. And then if you roll it over to a four, I'm sorry, to a IRA, what it costs, what you get, how it's invested, all of that. And so that comparison is 
Very, very important. And then lastly, and most importantly, if you leave the money in your current employer's plan, don't forget about it. I talk to people so often and they'll say things like, oh, I've got this other account out there. I haven't looked at it in years. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on with it. I don't, I'm not even sure that I have a statement. I don't know how to get to it. Don't let that happen to you because that is money that can be working on your behalf that's just floating out in the ether that nobody is watching. So if you're going to keep your 401k in your current employer's plan because you like the cost structure, you like the investments, you don't want to touch anything, stay on top of the statements, make sure that you're managing how it's invested, make sure that you keep track of the company that you used to work for because if they change ownership or if they close or if they change 401k custodians, you may have some trouble getting to your money. So you just want to make sure that you're managing that and you're on top of exactly what's happening there. Okay, so that covers the options with 401ks. I wanted, the, the reason that I wanted to even have this conversation is because I saw an article uh, that was published by the Harvard Business Review, and this was a study that was done. In, this was pre-COVID, so this was between the years 2014 and 2016. And according to their research, now they called this retirement leakage which I thought was a really fascinating term. But according to their research, over 160,000 U.S. employees during the time period of 2014 to 2016, 41.4% of those 160,000 people, so almost half, cashed out at least part of their 401k when they left their job. So rather than rolling it over to another plan or to an IRA, they just took the money out of the 401k and did other things with it. 41.4%. And of those 41.4%, almost 85%, almost all of them took all of the money that was in the 401k. And, and that's that's a really startling statistic because there's there's definitely something that's going on in those situations where the person is more comfortable taking the the 10% penalty paying the taxes on it and using the money for other things rather than staying invested and continuing to to try to save for later in life. According to Vanguard data from 2021, the median 401k balance for a 55 to 64 year old was approximately $89,716. So think about $89,000, you're 64 years old, you're trying to figure out how to retire. Social Security is not going to get you very far. You don't have a pension. Most people don't unless you're a government employee or a railroad employee or something like that, or maybe uh, military, maybe you have VA benefits. But for most people, all they have is what they've saved and then whatever they're going to be able to get from Social Security, and then they're just hoping that they don't have to work until they die. So if you're in that age bracket, 55 to 64, you have $89,716. I want you to think about how much you currently spend on a monthly basis. And now multiply that by 12. How far are you going to get on $89,000 when you retire? Probably not very far. Maybe a year, maybe a year and a half if you're lucky. And if you don't spend any money, that's about how far you're going to get. Now, if you retire and you don't touch that money, maybe it has an opportunity to grow a little more. But think about how far you're going to get on 100000 or 120000 Pew Research 
also conducted a survey, and they estimated that about 30% of workers changed their jobs in 2022 alone. And uh, and that's really interesting because 2021 and part of 2022 was the great resignation. Do you remember that term where people were just quitting their jobs? They were working from home. They were doing gig work. We still had some stimulus, and so they were getting money um, from different places. A lot of people were doing things in the stock market and uh, they were trying to buy and sell NFTs and all these other investment things. And so people uh, seem to be making money from all kinds of non-traditional places. And we were still in the pandemic. But what's interesting is that uh, the CARES Act, which came out in March of 2020 in response to COVID, and that happened really, really fast because we shut down on about March 14th. And by March 27th, Congress had pushed out trillions of dollars of stimulus. So something like $5 trillion of stimulus went out during that year and a half period. Uh, and that happened incredibly fast. So the industry studies do show that people cashing out their 401ks, even though the CARES Act allowed you to do so with no penalty, and you could actually spread the taxes out over a three-year period, which 2023 will be the last year that anyone who took that money and did the three-year stretch will pay taxes on it. Cashing out during that period stayed relatively flat or even slightly declined during the COVID uh, pandemic, despite people losing their jobs and despite the fact that Congress made it super easy and super attractive to take money out. So I guess that's a good sign. But um, with this Vanguard data and the median 401k balance being about $89,716, it's really interesting because there's a big push to save and there's a big push from people like me. Your employer encourages you to save. They give you a match on your 401k. If your employer offers a 401k or some other kind of, of retirement plan. And uh, sometimes employers are getting very generous with how they're doing this because we're trying to encourage people to save because it takes pressure off from the whole system over time, the more that you save for yourself, you're kind of self-insuring your retirement. And it's really interesting because people aren't saving as much uh, to their 401k plans as they could and probably should. A lot of people aren't maxing out those plans uh, on an annual basis, which is really, really, really high now. I mean, we've seen these balances go for the past few years and get indexed quite a bit. So for 2023, uh, 401k contribution limits for individuals is $22,500. You can put $22,500 away pre-tax. Now what that means is that you save the money pre-tax now, it gets subtracted from your gross income. So it reduces your taxable income overall. And when you take the money out later, it's all deferred growth, so you're only going to pay taxes as ordinary income. You're not going to pay capital gains. So it's a very, very good savings program, but it also gives you a current year tax benefit. If you're over the age of 50, as a catch-up contribution, you can save up to 20, I'm sorry, up to $30,000. So again, even more money can be put away. Um, but a lot of people aren't doing this, and the focus on accumulation misses one key fact according to the Harvard Business Review study, and that is that in the U.S. alone, 
employees can cash out their 401k balance at any time, whether they're working, they can take money out of the 401k as a hardship distribution, or they can take a loan against it, or when they leave the job, they can take all of it. And what's really interesting about that is among all the developed economies, the United States is the only one who gives that option to employees who are changing jobs. So I want to talk about why people do this in the first place. Why are they taking money from the 401k? Um, a lot of times it's really just the the simplicity of bureaucracy and psychology because when someone's leaving the job, the employer delegates all of the paperwork and the notices and all of that to the 401k plan custodian. And so they're going to send documents to you and it's going to show those four options. It's going to be very plain language. And then I, I think it's also on the psychology side, it's partly the order in which those options are laid out. You're going to scan to try to get down to the bottom and then you're going to see take a cash distribution and be like, oh, well, I haven't, this money's been out of reach. It's been untouchable all the time that I've been working, but hmm, I can actually dip into that now. Now I have access to it. Interesting. Huh. What could I do? And so people psychologically take an ill, what looks like an illiquid investment, your 401k, and it becomes a source of ready cash. And so they, uh, they find it kind of appealing because you can sit with that account balance and you can look at it and say, well, what could I do with that? I could invest in something else. I could, uh, upgrade things in my house. I could do some traveling. I can do some other personal use things. I can pay off debt. Now, I do want to just stop on that one because if the 401k balance would allow you to free yourself from a debt cycle, if, if you're having trouble getting out of a debt cycle and that windfall, if you're, and I'm using air quotes, that windfall, if that helps you break the cycle, you might consider if it's less expensive to take the 10% penalty in the taxes than it would be to continue to try to service the debt. And for some people, that could be an option that helps you then get closer to actually taking steps toward financial freedom. Now, if that's a strategy that you're considering, please talk with a financial advisor to see if it makes sense because sometimes you may be better off continuing down your um, debt repayment plan and um, maybe a little bit of instant gratification is going to cost you more uh, or change your tax brackets or do some other impact of some sort to other parts of your financial plan. So do talk to your financial advisor. What the uh, Harvard Business Review study found is that the more of the 401k account balance that came from the employer the more people treated that money as kind of like house money or uh, free money when they have the option to take it out. So it's much, much easier to look at an account balance and say, well, I have, let's say $150,000 in my 401k and half of that came from the employer. So that half is free money. So I can at least take the, the free money part of it or take part of that free money and leave my money in there. And unfortunately, when you're doing that kind of mental accounting, the math doesn't really work that way. And so um, that really becomes a dangerous school of thought to go down if you're considering those options. There's several things that the article laid out that employers can do to try to help curb 
or discourage people when they're leaving the their job, uh, discourage them from taking the money out. And uh, they could, you know, do what, what the survey called a just-in-time financial education, which is where the employer makes it possible for the employee to meet with a, uh, a professional or to call the 401k plan custodian and have someone talk the employee through the options and then discourage them taking the cash out. Uh, I, I honestly think when you get the when you get the letter that says, here are your options for the 401k, the cash out should be in like really bold, all caps, bright red, danger will Robinson sign attached to it. I mean, it should be very clear that that is the, the least preferable and the least beneficial option. Um, but unfortunately it's not that way, but if industry, be it the, the 401k plan custodian side of it, or even on my side of it as a financial advisor, if we don't do enough to continue to try to fix this issue or to discourage people cashing out these accounts, um, the government is going to continue to step in and mandate different things on employers it's going to be very difficult from a compliance standpoint and the same thing with with people like me they're going to continue to increase regulations on us and on anyone who's providing a 401k plan so the more likely scenario and the best possible outcome is that business works with financial services firms to solve this problem in my opinion probably the easiest thing to do is uh to work with a financial advisor to come up with what's called a workplace financial literacy program. Uh, a lot of the 401k fund custodians have white papers and phone numbers that employees can call. And actually some of these people are even starting to staff their call centers with CFP professionals like me who are just uh, there to answer questions. And so they, they can give uh, kind of broad scale advice just based on the rules and the tax code and things like that. They can have some pretty good knowledge of that company's plan, what the investments are, performance, you know, ways to rebalance the account, those kinds of things. But it's far different when you can have that employee sit with somebody who they can actually talk to and who can learn more about their individual situation because it changes the type of advice and the quality of the advice that we can give. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are a business owner or an HR professional or you know somebody who is and you have employees who are contributing to a 401k plan, send an email to info at lifemoveswealth.com and I will help you get this set up. And here's how your company benefits by doing this. So first and foremost, it builds and increases your employee engagement. It increases talent retention. And if you're increasing retention, then you're reducing recruitment and training cost. And you're not having to take on lost productivity because of staffing issues. So already you're benefiting just by having people there. It's going to reduce the amount of sick time that your employees are taking. It's going to build a culture that the employees will want to help the company be more productive and more profitable rather than resenting the company for being profitable. It's uh, it's going to reduce the 
you know, give me a raise or I'm out of here kind of hostage negotiations that tend to come up every year on somebody's annual review. Why that happens is because uh, prior to the pandemic, and I haven't seen the numbers since, I don't know that we've been able to study it well because of all the work from home stuff, but prior to the pandemic, it was estimated that roughly three hours per week per employee were lost productivity hours related to a financial issue that they were dealing with or trying to work through in their personal life. So somebody's at your place of employment, they're on the phone, maybe with a credit card company or with their mortgage company or something else. They are thinking about that throughout the day. So not only the actual time where they're literally working on something else, but the time where their brain is working on something else and they're not working here on what's most important uh, and their quality of work probably suffers the more stress financially that gets added to their plate. So uh, in, in a good example of this, I have a personal example in a prior job before I was an advisor where we did this. We did monthly lunch and learns with our employees. We would bring them in on a Friday. We would bring in pizzas or if the weather was nice, maybe we would uh, grill or something like that, hot dogs or brats or burgers or whatever. It doesn't have to be anything that's expensive for the company. But that act alone shows them that you care about them as employees and that they're not just tools of production. Um, and then we started to help them understand how the company functions from a financial standpoint. And uh, not that they were able to see everything in the company's books, but they were starting to understand cost breakdown per hour of production or per, per job or per product sold. They were starting to, to get an idea of how they contribute to the success of the company so that whenever there was a good week or a great month or a big job that was finished or something like that, they could then understand why that money just wasn't available to go buy new equipment or better tools or things like that. They started to see how the company uses resources and how the company loses resources when there's less focus on what it is that actually makes the company profitable. And companies, for some reason, culturally, we get a bad rep for being profitable as if profit is a bad thing. And I'm here to tell you, profit is what keeps the company healthy. And if the company doesn't have profit, then the employees don't have a company to work for. And that just that cycle goes all through the economy. So profit is good. We like profit. We like responsible profit. And we want to help people understand how that works. Because the more that they see how it works on a bigger scale, they can start to use those tools in their own personal life. And frankly, when the company is doing better, it gives you the flexibility to then offer your employees uh, other kinds of revenue sharing or extra bonuses or uh, changes positively to their compensation structures. So they benefit when the company benefits uh, and that, that tends to work really, really well if the company's management is doing that people management the right way. doesn't always happen, but there is a good way to do it and it works really, really well in smaller companies, uh, th this kind of program. So Seriously, if you're listening to this, I can help you do it. It's not difficult. 
All it's going to cost you is the time that it takes to do a lunch and learn. You don't have to do it monthly. You can do it quarterly. You can do it twice a year. You can do it once a year, but I recommend at least twice a year. So that way there's some familiarity that's built. The employees have that resource to look forward to. Um, maybe it's the cost of, you know, like I said, sandwich trays or burgers or coffee and donuts, whatever it is. Uh, and then maybe also there's a cost of time because you should give your employees about a half hour each as they want to then meet with the financial professional who's coming in to do that lunch and learn uh, after the meeting. And then they can get direct answers to the questions that they have. And it can be done. It can be done very well. And you can set this up for your employees and I can help send an email to info at lifemoveswealth.com. And we'll, we'll start figuring out how to do it and what content's most important to your company. What's going to be helpful. Okay. I think that covers 401k and the problem of retirement leakage and how financial professionals and businesses can work together to help. If you're listening to this and you're not the owner of the business and you're not the HR person, but you know the owner and you know the HR person, get this information in their hands because I'd love to help your company do this better. Um, If you are an employee who is changing jobs and you have a 401k and you're considering your options, please talk to a financial advisor before you make your choice You don't have to do it as soon as you leave your employer. This can take a couple of weeks. It could take a month. It could take six months. However much time you need, you don't have to do it right away, but definitely consult with somebody who can help you understand all of your options, all of the cost, and help you make the best choice. And if at all possible, I'm begging, if at all possible, please, please don't cash out that account. You're going to need that money more so later in life than you do right now. Believe me, you're going to want to have the extra 20, 30, 50, $80,000 sitting aside to add to your average balance. What was the number again? Uh, here are my notes. Uh, $89,716 between ages 55 and 64. So if that's you, or if you're getting close to that, you're, you would rather have 150 or 200,000 or 300,000 or whatever the number is. You would rather have anything more than $89,000 when you're looking down retirement, believe me. Um, so do talk to a financial advisor and make sure that you understand those options. If you want to continue the conversation or you have questions or comments or any evidence or you've seen other studies, please leave a comment. Or send an email yourself to info at lifemoveswealth.com and, and we'll keep talking from there. So please also, if you found this information helpful, leave a review for the podcast and I would greatly appreciate that. So until next time, take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about your financial purpose at lifemoveswealth.com. 